There are many voices in the Catholic Church of the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, that want to bring light to their journey of faith. In His Light podcast is a new podcast from Father Reginald Samuels, the Vicar of Catholic of African Descent of the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. This podcast centers on information, stories, and experiences of the Catholics of African descent in the Archdiocese. The aim and goal of the podcast are to foster a culture of dialogue and engage in the many diverse cultures of African descent that are present in the Catholic community. First of all, I want to welcome you both here to our podcast today. I have here Father Sebastian Okoye and Father Innocent Njoku, who are part of the African community, along with being priests of the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. So let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, as we send our praises up, Please send your blessings down upon each and every one of us, allowing us to experience your love in our lives. As we come together, Lord, allow our hearts to be open to your will so that we can do the work that you've given us, the grace to do, to spread this love to our communities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, I want to welcome you both here today to help me bring about a, a way in which we can disseminate our information about our communities and to best serve our communities. So first of all, Father Sebastian, tell me a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Father Reggie, for this uh, wonderful opportunity to talk about what we do in Africa, uh, what we do with the African community here in Dutch Diocese. My name is Father Sebastian Okoye. Originally, I am from Nigeria. Um, my vocation started um, like an epiphany. I found myself at early stage, probably from age four, being so much in love with uh, our Blessed Mother. And I participated in a, a prayer crusade called Fatima Prayer Crusade. All we do is just say the rosaries and the pray for the conversion of the world and Russia and, uh, you know, for God's mercy in the world is a crusade. So I grew up, you know, in that kind of environment. But then uh, after I graduated from uh, high school, I found myself still drawn strongly to uh, our Lord and then uh, being involved with the charismatic renewal movement. Um, it was uh, an interesting uh, spiritual experience for me. So that kind of uh, uh, spiritual journey uh, triggered off the uh, the call uh, to the priesthood, which I didn't even realize it was until I began to discern my vocation. So it took me two years to discern my vocation because I didn't want to go to the seminary. I was afraid of being a priest. I don't want to be, but the Lord 
course, you know. So, but then I began my seminary formation in Africa, in Nigeria, before I signed out because I was with the religious community, which, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to continue with. I wanted to uh, transit into um, uh, diocesan priesthood. So I signed out due to some other stuff and I had to go to Canada to study at the University of Toronto. Um, while I was signing my vocation to the diocesan priesthood, it was from Canada that uh, I applied to this archdiocese. And then uh, Father Clint Restor, who was then the vocations director, so he was so kind to have invited me over here to see if uh, uh, is a place I would like to continue with my uh, formation. When I came over here, uh, it was an, a good experience. First, I didn't uh, intend coming to America because my fear then was that maybe um, their spirituality isn't strong and I wouldn't know if people really go to church. Those were kind of uh, you know, myth that we do have about the uh, Western world. So by coming here, I found out that it's a big diocese with a strong youth ministry, and then uh, the church is vibrant, and that really touched my heart. And that was how I ended up uh, here uh, uh, in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. So I began my other part of my seminary formation at St. Mary Seminary here in Houston. And uh, by the grace of God, things went well. I got ordained in 2013. And since then, I have served in various uh, parishes. First, my first parish of assignment was a uh, Prince of Peace as a parochial vicar. I was there for two years before I was moved to um, Christ Redeemer. So I'm trying to follow your steps because I realized yeah. you were once there. <laughs> so I was there for a couple of months before I was moved again to St. Anthony of Padua in the woodlands. So after that, now finally, uh, I was uh, moved to my current parish now, St. Mary's Star of the Sea, where I am the pastor uh, of the parish there in Freeport. Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And Father Innocent, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Innocent, and um, I'm also originally from Nigeria. I belong to the religious congregation, the Holy Ghost congregation. Here in the USA, they call them the Spiritans. So, and here in Houston, the Spiritans, we have the house at 1700 West Alabama Street, downtown. Well, it's a long story. Any person who has a vocation in the priesthood has gone through a lot. And mine started also because it's a family or traditional thing. As a young person, the church and people around you are in the church. And as children, we go to what we call the block rosary, which he mentioned is called the crusade. So from there, um, you started getting very close to our Mother Mary, St. Joseph, all the saints in the church. 
my mom in particular was in charge of the women's league. And, you know, being the son of a mother who's in charge of the CW and the women's league, you cannot miss the church. Even in the family, at 5 a.m., she will wake every person up for the rosary and I will kick. Sometimes they will pour me water, cold water to wake up. However, what happened that um, I think my vocation came during the Biafra War. I was an altar boy. And um, the priest we used to serve, may, he, may God rest him, Father Boyline, who was an Irish missionary, and he would carry us on his motorbike and we go to places we call our stations in the interior of the villages. And sometimes we will abandon the motorbike and wade through small rivers. So when I saw this man, I said, this is a guy from Ireland doing this. So I, I told my mom, said, maybe one day I will be like Father Boylan. Then the war started and we all ran to our different villages. I miss Father Boylan. But still, you no, know, having that interest in helping, I still served at mass at the military camps and uh, our chaplain then in the boys' company, Letre Monseno Donado Coro, um, was the person sometimes and we're going to distribute food to the soldiers in the trench. He would say, don't go there, this place is dangerous. But he himself, when soldiers are wounded, he will be the one there helping them, even the midst of fire. So one day I asked him, Father, why do you do this? You are not afraid of all these dangers. He said, well, we cannot let all these people die. So after the war, I wanted to continue as a soldier after my dad. I went and took what they call the NDA, National Defense Academy. I passed the entrance examination, but during the interview, they asked me a question, and I answered. They said, how do you know? I said, well, that's what we learned during the Biafran War. The man said, we cannot take you here. You have gone the war before, and you know this before time. So I came home crying and crying. I couldn't eat anything. So my mom called Father Donald, who fortunately was my parish priest then, and he came to the house and said, why are you crying? I said, they didn't take me. He said, but why? You made almost 100%. He said, they said, I fought the beer from war. So he said, okay, what do you want to do? You want to become a pilot. Why do you want to go and become a pilot? Because during the war, you cost them. Because that time when we see them dropping the bomb, we'll be cursing them and say, God fire you and all that, all that. He said, is that what I would like to do? I said, no, I would just want to be a pilot. You know, carry people go around the world. He says, what I want to do, I can do it for the church. 
that there is a congregation, the Holy Ghost Fathers, they go all around the world. And that's what they do. They carry people everywhere. Then he started naming to me all the Irish priests who came. He said, no, they came from my land. This is not their country. This is what they're doing. You want to go there? I said, let me think about it. I came home. I didn't know what to tell my friends and everything. So eventually I said, in the next day I went to mass after prayer. I said, give me a letter. That's how I went to the seminary. And the rest is the story. I, I was ordained in on July. This July 6th will be my 35th year of ordination. And I don't forget it. It's the Feast of St. Maria Goretti. I chose her specifically because of her history. So since my ordination, I, I worked very short time in Nigeria. I was in the Diocese of uh, Benin, but now um, Urumi Diocese. And just one year after, I was sent to the United States. Just before I settled out here three months, they said, oh, um, the Holy Ghost Fathers need you in French Guiana. That's the Amazon part of the French Amazonia. So I packed my things and I left. Since then, I spent about 13 years or more in the French Amazonia and working in the interior with the black people who ran away from slavery. A lot of people do not know it. What they hear is about the story about the Devil's Island. Even I'm sure when you hear about the Devil's Island, you, you wonder why did they send you there? Even some French priests were asking me, why did they send you to French Guiana? Are you a rebel? It's only rebels that they send. They say, well, I'm simply a missionary. So I worked um, in the French Amazonia, in the interior station in Apatou. The place is called Apatou. I was everything. I got the school running there, got the maternity and the hospitals, and even... At the time, I was the postmaster <laughs> because there was no um, no road. We used to go on the waters, the, the canoe. Eventually, I was lucky. You know, the German uh, charity gave me a flying boat. And with that flying boat, Instead of spending four hours on the river going to the nearest city, I would do it in one and a half hours, two hours. But all the time I was there, I was still coming back to our community here in Florida. Um, I was supposed to have worked with uh, late Bishop uh, Vincent Zonia in Florida. He was there until he was um, appointed Bishop of a diocese in Nigeria. So I came back here fully for sabbatical um, in Washington, D.C. when I did my master's in conflict resolution because of the experience I had um, in the mission. That time, 
there was war in Suriname. Suriname is a neighboring uh, country to French Guiana. And um, we had a lot of people coming from America helping. And at that time, one of them said, well, Father, since you're here, I think um, I will ask you to think about you know, coming to America and studying. I say, um, when my congregation decides to send me, I will think about it. And my sabbatical year, the bishop asked me what do I want to do. I said, well, let me go and see how we can help people stop, you know, having conflicts. He laughed. He said, you think you can resolve the conflicts in the world? I said, well, let's start with the local people we have here. So I, I came down to United States, went to American University, and I studied conflict resolution. And he, the exact day of my graduation, my provincial came from Rome and said, the bishop wants you back. And I said, oh, I thought I wasn't going back to Guyana. He said, no. He has told him he was going to bring me back. So that's, I went back to Guyana. And then 2000, the bishop died. A new bishop came and he asked me, do you want to stay? you want to go there? For my bishop said, he will not let you go until he dies. Now that he's dead, what do you want to do? Well, I asked my district superior then. I said, well, the bishop is telling me he can let me go. So he said, okay, Nigeria wants you to come back. There's a parish in Nigeria. So I went back to Nigeria, and I stayed in that parish in the city of Potakot. So... It's an oil city where Shell and all these American oil companies have their offices. So I was the pastor in the place for, for at least four years. So in 2005, I was called back to the U.S. to come back and help. And I came, I stayed in Arizona, Phoenix, and from Phoenix to Minnesota, and Minnesota to here. Presently, yeah, I'm not working in the parish. I've not been involved in the parish as such. I've been working with the veteran affairs. And I am happy I still have the soldiers, whether they're active or retired. So I think that's where God has found it, you know, good to place me. It doesn't stop me from helping African-Americans here because um, Father Sebastian, uh, all of us from Africa, we have an association um, which he was the president and I succeeded him. So... We'll come to that when we come to talk about ACRUS. Okay. So it's a long story. So, And, and that's one of the reasons why we're here today, is so. to, to, to disseminate the information about how Africans and African-Americans are being served here in our archdiocese. And one of the organizations that both of you are part of 
is one of the organizations that we really want to talk about today. So, Father Sebastian, can you tell me about this organization? The Triple ACHF or the ACRUS? ACRUS. Okay. ACRUS is the African Conference of Catholic, Catholic Priests and Religious in the uh, United States of America. ACRUS has a national body and also uh, a chapter. So, Houston is a chapter of the ACRUS national body. I happen to be the uh, one of the presidents of the Houston chapter. And what we do first is to uh, give support. It's a support group for the priests and the nuns. That's one of the main uh, focus of the ACRUS. Then we also know that uh, we have our Africans and African-Americans who are in need of our spiritual guidance and uh, support in so many ways. So Akrus ministers to herself as priests and religious and also to the lay African, African descents and African-Americans here in the in that diocese as a chapter. So that's what we do. We are to try to organize certain programs that will enable us to reach out to our brothers and sisters. And such program we uh, started is the Triple A C H F is annual Archdiocesan African Cultural Heritage Festival. That's uh, uh, an event that uh, we came up with that could give us the opportunity to bring the diverse African descent and African Americans together to be able to uh, bring out our culture, celebrate it, and also to celebrate our, Afri our, our Catholic faith. It's kind of a, a two-face of a, an event, African culture, because Africa is rich in her culture. So, and then the Catholic faith that comes to it. Because most of our people here are could have easily forgotten their root and their culture. And a lot of them are in need of some guidance, especially our youth. So it is the vision and the mission of ACRUS to help to bring these bodies together and to uh, direct and to work with them and to encourage them in enjoying and also in sharing with the larger uh, historians our rich African culture and Catholic faith. Yeah, just let me help Father Sebastian because since he left as president, we have added 
another A to the triple. Now it's quadruple A. So, okay. yeah, um, you know, it, it's correct. The, the, the way we call it now is the um, the uh, uh, annual Archdiocese and uh, African and African-American cultural uh, heritage. The, the festival is the celebration, the, the unity that we come together. And uh, as he said, you cannot forget your roots. A lot of our people, when they come here, they think that they have arrived and anything goes. No, but it is not so with the church. So one of our main mission is to gather them together, all the countries in Africa, whether you are from Cameroon, Congo, Abidjan, whatever country you are, Kenya, Nigeria, we, we try to blend together what, you know, unifies us. And Africans, no matter where they come from, are known for hospitality. And so that festival be, becomes um, a melting point where all of us come to celebrate our oneness, our unity, our hospitality. So, so what do you see as the challenges of Africans who are here in the United States and the, the, the Africans of African descent who are here in the United States? How do you see this organization serving them and what are the challenges that you're hearing in the communities? We, we, are, we are trying to reach out and incorporate our African-American brothers and sisters. Uh, like right now, except that the COVID uh, disturbed our program, the African-American people are a little bit distant from us. So we want to bring them so that they, they recognize that we are one with them. The fact that we come from Africa doesn't make us so much different from them. We have, they came here before us, but on a different, you know, uh, ship. So uh, their descendants are our brothers right from home, you know. Uh, there is this difficulty of racism. That's the challenge everyone is having. Whether you are coming from Africa or you are born here, as far as you are this, you are black, you, you have that challenge. Even in the church, it happens. Sometimes, you know, some parishes or some diocese, instead of giving Africa uh, a black from Africa, they, they say, no, we're not good. I have experienced it once. Before even I went to the parish, because they knew I'm black, they went to tell the bishop. Eh, the bishop said, okay, you don't want him, find your own. I was sent to another parish. And those who didn't want to see me in their parish were coming over to the place I was to attend mass. So another challenge we, we have and we want to make sure that... Um, we could tell it is, you know, the type of, uh, I, I will call it, um, it's not hatred, but 
some sort of distrust the African-Americans have over their brothers coming from Africa right now. So, and we are trying to do that by trying to visit the different African-American parishes, the co-African-American parishes. Right now, Acruz is trying to get the African choirs to go and sing with the African-American parishes once in a while. So that program is uh, our next thing that now that COVID is ending and churches are opening. So this is exactly what we are planning to do so that we reach out to them so that they know that, yes, you know, there is unity when brothers dwell together. Yeah. Um, the other challenges uh, in which we attend and we, we're also working uh, with our African descents and African Americans is the issue of language. You know, um, I remember the Cardinal couple of times he visited with the Igbo Catholic community. He had always emphasized on the language. Say, keep your language, don't lose it. We found out that most of a lot of our people are losing the language, our local uh, dialect. With the uh, American uh, of life, now we found out that to bring in this language into the liturgy is becoming a challenge. When people celebrate the the, the whole Eucharist in their local dialect, it makes sense. It gives them some sense of joy and belonging. So uh, also working towards vitalizing that culture, that language culture in the Holy Eucharist. Then the other thing here has to do with pastoral care. Many of our people, they find it a kind of a difficult to go to maybe a white priest to explain certain things about their culture in marriage that the white priest might not even understand very well. But our people, we, the priests here, understand them and coupled with our understanding with the American church, the way church is run here, and knowing the uh, pastoral need of our people, we'll be able to minister to them very well. I can give you just a little bit of an example. You know, in marriage, our people, our sense of marriage is that marriage is once and for all. Once you marry to a man, you stay. Divorce is not part of us, even though it's coming into the culture strongly. And male dominance, male dominance is also a thing that is very strong, but being in another culture, we'll be able to minister to them, letting them know that there are certain things that are obtainable, there are things you have to let go, things you got. But we, since we understand where everyone is coming from, it is easier for us to know where the problem is and how to you know, address the problem. Sometimes when they have funerals, for example, we know that our Africans, they do things at the late hours. Most of the wake keeps are done around 10 p.m.
a.m., 11, up to 1 a.m. sometimes. And they expect the priests to be there with them to help them, you know, put things through. And we have been making that sacrifice so much, being there for, uh, with them. The another challenge here is our youth, our young adults. They are losing their conflict in their African culture and American culture. You see somebody uh, calling you, oh, my uncle. And they call themselves uncle or brothers and sisters. And that has affected marriages. So they see themselves, maybe somebody from, from Nigeria, because uh, his or her parents are in a friendship with another family from uh, Cameroon. So they think that for that uh, uh, family friendship, that they cannot marry. So it's like they are, they are related by blood. So we have to break that to let them know that you, you can marry. You don't have to because of color or because you are from Africa. You have to learn that you guys can marry. So it has really, really uh, affected the community in so many ways. And, you know, tons of uh, uh, ways we could minister to them that are kind of, uh, of a big challenge. But I must tell you on a, on a very good uh, note here that we have seen a lot of changes in African communities. With all these programs we've been, you know, putting up here and there, we have seen them blending in the American culture and Catholicism because they see us. We try to minister to them, to encourage them, to enlighten them on how certain things are done. We've seen a lot of changes, but it still remains a huge challenge for us because they are like nobody is ministering to them. You know, most of the parishes where we have uh, predominant or where we have so many Africans and of African descent, they don't have anybody to actually minister to them pastorally, and they are wondering about. So, but with these programs, we'll be able to move around to minister to them. And that speaks to how can the archdiocese move toward direction of helping not only Akurus, mm-hmm. but the African and African-American community and ministry. If, 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 there, if there's the need there, what is the best way that you feel that the archdiocese can help you? Okay. Can help with this need. I think this dialogue, this uh, information we're sharing here is one. And the other thing I think we could do is pastoral visit. Uh, we, could, we can engage in discussions, you know, which was a little bit of what we began with Acruz, that uh, the cardinal had uh, dinner with him and uh, for him to come around us so that to find out how we're doing, what we could do better. But I think that can be expanded. There could be an extension of meeting. We could be called upon to have a one-on-one discussions to hear what's going on and how best it can be addressed. I think that is one of the things because unless we sit down to discuss, you may not know what we're going through. And again, our people are very, very religious. But my experience here is that um, in the parishes, we are there and we are our brother priests from the white Americans or the African Americans are, they tend to um, neglect the huge presence of the Africans. They, they contribute a lot to the parishes, whatever is being done, but sometimes 
they are not well, you know, uh, incorporated in decision making about parishes, uh, what goes about. Because um, I have been to some of them to support. One of the places I will name, one person said, well, I go to this parish. My sister came here and gave birth. I went to the parish. They told me, oh, she's not a registered parishioner. She has to go back to Nigeria. And I said, no. I went to the pastor and explained that she would not be happy to fly back with this baby without baptizing her because they believe if anything happens to them, she would not not forgive herself. So the priest said, oh, is that their belief? I said, yeah. So he said, eventually, you know, um, I told him go back and see the secretary of the parish. The pastor has given you the permission. And they were happy. Some of the things is that, like in the Bible, all of us know, Jesus came from a family. He had a root. We will never forget our roots, even though that we are all, you know, um, visitors in a strange land. Every person is a visitor on this earth. No person is permanent. So we would like to make sure that there is a greater dialogue because most of the Africans in the places they go, they attend mass more, you know, frequently. And let all their presence and contributions be recognized by giving them some responsibilities in those parishes. Unless I forget, one of the ways that we can be helped by the diocese is by promoting this uh, program, this uh, uh, African Cultural Heritage Festival, making it to stand as an archdiocesan event that is enshrined into the activities of the archdiocese that's recognized, that nothing happens to it, it's going to grow. You, can, you witness the second uh, uh, phase of it, how, how, how wonderful it was. It was the attendance was huge. Yeah, uh, it was an absolutely amazing event. God. Absolutely amazing. And just two years, only in two years, yeah, wow. we had such, uh, such growth. So you can imagine if we extend this for the next 10 years, what it's going to be. It will draw a lot of crowd from all over. So, all over Texas. Yes. Even wow. beyond, beyond Texas. Beyond. So I would like for the Cardinals, if the Cardinal can, yeah, can continue to help us. He has given us his you know, words and his blessings, but I would like for us to sustain that program. Okay. I'm sure that it will, there will be no problems with sustaining that program. Good. Yes. Good. Absolutely wonderful. Good. So what is next? What is what are some of the things uh, or concerns that you want to focus on for the future, not just with the chorus, but in the ministry to Africans and African Americans and Africans of African descent? What what should be some of the next steps that we take to minister to to our people? Uh, uh, <clears throat> I would say that we need to get our youths involved in the church. Many parents do not bring their young and young adults to church, you know, because of 
the freedom every person feels that they have. I'm free to do whatever I, I like. Uh, freedom is not free. If you want to belong to Christ and you want to belong to the church, first of all, you have to obey. And for parents, they must show concern and compassion. The African and the Africans here have learned or borrowed a lot, you know, from the uh, society they are in, in such a sense that, you know, some of them, once they get 18, they get out of their homes and they don't listen to their parents. And like one day I saw a guy was saying, hey, Dad, you cannot tell me what to do. I'm 21. And I called him aside. I said, hey, the fact that you are 21, you don't know everything. Your dad is there to guide you. If he says you're not going out at this hour, you can go. Everywhere is dangerous. You know how the profile, you know, the racial profiling happened. And that's what his dad was concerned. And this guy was saying, no, I'm 21 going to 22. I have to go. And the dad was saying, please, this month is not good. See this person, they shot there, they shot there. So I'm afraid you may not have the answer. And before you tell them who you are, they're no longer able to speak. So we, we, the next step is making the <clears throat> young understand that they are also part of the church, the growth of the church. Because without them, when these old uh, papas are gone and the mamas are gone, the church will be empty. This is what is happening in American society today. So we need to focus more on the African-American youths and focus more on family because family is the core of everything without family. But because in most African-American families, there, the man is absent. Many are coming from single mothers. And this is a very big problem, not only to the church, but in the society in general. So if we as ministers and, you know, people of God everywhere begin to help one another, especially our young ones, because in Africa we say, you know, a child belongs to the village, to the community. He may be your child, you begot him, but he doesn't belong only to you. If we can sell this idea to our African-American descent, many of them will begin to come closer and trust us more. I, I feel there is such a, a distrust uh, existing in between. And then the other area I would uh, think we can focus is on vocation. Because uh, we really need more people to go. Serve the people in this archdiocese. And these our youth who are born and brought up here. Thank God for Houston who was just ordained. Um, really 
very, very uh, happy for him. It's a challenge. We can see how we can work on vocation, vocation drives to encourage our youth to go into the seminary and also to the convent. That is one. Then the other one is to, you know, for innocent mention about family, I would expand it in terms of uh, I, uh, if it is from the office of uh, catechesis uh, uh, and uh, evangelization to come up with some kind of a family program, retreat program, or seminars for Africans. Why not to separate them from the diocese, but to make them understand that they are not apart. They are part of the diocese. They have to have that orientation. That diocese belong, belongs to them. They are, they are part and parcel of it. They have to begin to participate in the activities, in the religious life, in the cultural life of the part of the of the diocese, because a lot of them are distanced from it. So such programs, and I'm sure it's going to draw good attention if it's coming from the diocesan point of view. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, that is one of the ideas that I want to stress as well uh, in my capacity as the vicar for Catholics of African descent is that we are a part of the diocese and we also need to challenge the archdiocese to, to, to say what, what, what is there for us? What is there for our youth? What is there for our, our African, African-American um, commu- communities families. and families, because you you're not just there to, to serve them. You're here to serve us all. And also, how can the African and African American communities serve the diocese? Yes. So it's a it's a question of both. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think this is important for us to to um, to talk about this and to challenge the people that are around us, not only. I should be challenged, but you, everyone else in this archdiocese who are priests and religious, to, to, to challenge our people and to challenge ourselves to how can we serve this diocese better and how can this, this diocese serve us better. Yes. So, But thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for that point. And once again, um, as we conclude, I, I thank you both for being here today to talk about this and and I want to continue this um, further uh, for another time, but but thank you very thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you Father Reggie. Thank you. I have, I think this is going to uh, blossom into something greater. It is not just only priests. Some they bring couples yes. and let them have some conversation. Bring youths so that um, they are not just listening to the priests because people think. You know, <clears throat> the world is the world of the, the church is the world of the priests. No, they, they, we are there to minister to the people, to serve them. But they will understand also that, that they have their own responsibility to respond to that service. Exactly. So it is, you know, both ways. And I thank you for initiating this uh, program. And I hope all those who are listening will make up their mind, you know, to come out and meet their Christian responsibility. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Father. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into, placed, 
and are associated with are targeted towards the content of this podcast without express approval knowledge of, of its in his light podcast is forbidden you may not edit modify or redistribute this podcast in his light podcast assumes no liability for any activities in connection with this podcast or for use of this podcast in connection with any other website computer or playing device or opinions expressed during the Business Light series podcast are solely those of the individuals involved do not necessarily represent those of the Archdiocese of Galveston-Houston and its employees. The Archdiocese of Galveston-Houston is not responsible but does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening on this site. The primary purpose of this series is to educate and inform 